the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome or welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. And of course, I have time to take your call. The number is 303-873-1935. If you have a question about God or the historical Jesus, about the Bible, we talk about worldviews. We talk about world religions. We talk about a lot of different things. So if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303 303- 873-1935. I want to read from the American Minute. These are notable events of American significance remembered on the date that they occurred by my friend uh, Bill Federer, who's been a frequent guest on the program, and I love, love having him. But he has a very special entry for today, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it to your attention. This is for January 5th. He writes, and I quote, he was kidnapped after the Civil War. He was ransomed with a horse. Raised by German immigrants, Moses and Susan Carver, he left home at 11 and attended school in Neosho, Missouri, paying tuition by doing odd jobs. He drifted from Kansas to Iowa, working as a cook and doing laundry, He studied at Simpson College, then received a bachelor's and master's degree from Iowa State. Booker T. Washington recruited him to teach at Tuskegee Institute, where he introduced hundreds of uses for the peanut, soybean, sweet tomato, revolutionizing the South's economy. His name? George Washington Carver, who died January 5th, 1943. Carver addressed Congress. He met with presidents Teddy Roosevelt, Calvin Coolidge, Franklin Roosevelt. He was offered jobs by Henry Ford and Thomas Edison, and he received correspondence from world leaders, including Gandhi and Stalin. In 1928, George Washington Carver stated, and I quote, human need is really a great spiritual vacuum, which God seeks to fill. With one hand and in the hand of a fellow man in need and the other in the hand of Christ, he could get across the vacuum. Then the passage I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, came to have real meaning, unquote. Isn't that interesting? I think that George Washington Carver might be the smartest human being who's ever been born on the North American continent, with the possible exception of Jonathan Edwards. It's close, close, close. Both of them remarkable, remarkable people. You know, when George Washington Carver was before Congress, one of the congressmen asked him, Professor Carver, 
how were you able to find so many uses for the peanut? And he said that he took that peanut and he prayed a prayer and he said, God, I want you to show me all the secrets that this peanut has. <laughs> That's interesting. 303-873-1935. Okay, let's see who's up. Tim, welcome to the program. Uh, hi, Gino. Hi. Hey, um, I was just wondering if you've heard of, uh, well, there's this pastor down in Arizona. His name is Stephen Anderson, and he's actually the founder of, uh, I think it's called the NFIB, or New Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, and I don't know, he's, he's been somewhat controversial, but I mean, I was just wondering what your uh, take is on him, if you've heard of him. I haven't heard of him. And you say he's uh, Stephen Anderson, and he's a fundamental Baptist? Uh, yeah, he calls himself a new independent fundamental Baptist, which uh, he just had some very, um, what some might call radical views. He uh, he basically believes that um, anyone who has any homosexual tendency should be, should be executed, and he, I mean, I mean, if you Google him, you'll see what I mean. But he's um, he's really um, what what you might call a very very hardline pastor. He believes in very wow. very hard preaching. He, um, I mean, he's basically the founder of a whole new denomination. Yeah, I haven't heard of him, but I, I'm obviously familiar with the thought or the idea of a radical application. But what I would wonder is if this pastor also um, thinks that that not just for the penalty for homosexuals, but, you know, is he, is he, does he subscribe to other kinds of bizarre views? Now, again, I, um, if you would have asked me 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. should we criminalize homosexual behavior? I would have said no. But if you asked me today, I would say yes. I'm not su- suggesting the death penalty, but I'm I'm suggesting criminalizing the behavior. You want to know why? Oh, why is that? Because imagine you're living in a world where you criminalize the belief that it's wrong. Okay. You criminalize the belief that it's wrong. So if I have to choose between criminalizing homosexual behavior and the belief that it's wrong, I'm going to So imagine if we say do, do you think we should criminalize prostitution? Um I definitely believe that it's immoral, but um it's it's what I think is a victimless crime. It's immoral in God's eyes, but if 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 both parties so, are consenting yeah, see, but imagine we're we're back to that same situation. Imagine you sure. don't criminalize prostitution, but you make it a crime to believe that it's wrong. Okay, I I think that's what we mean. We're we're kind of moving in that direction. Thought crime. Right, 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 right. So I'm not. I'm obviously not advocating for what you're. You know, what Stephen. Not that you're advocating what this pastor is saying about um, um, the death penalty for homosexuals. I, I am, yeah. I am not um, that person. 
And sure. so, yeah, I am un, I am unfamiliar with him. So, yeah, yeah a, I am unfamiliar. A, a couple other things. I mean, he's also uh, um, very strictly uh, King James only. And he also, uh, he also believes in, maybe you've heard of this, replacement theology, saying that the uh, that we, the Christians, replaced the Jews with God's people. And right, he, and the, he actually, obviously, oh. yeah, yeah, those are two views that I, d- I don't embrace. So, yeah, I, don't, I, I know about replacement theology, and I also know about uh, King James only, and I have reasons why I reject both. Okay, okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you Google his name or if you Google, he actually has his own church. It's called uh, um, Faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did Google yeah. him, and I brought I brought him up, and I, I went to um, a wiki page, if you will, and I don't know how accurate it is, but, but yeah. it, talk, it talks about some of the things that you brought up that, um, that he um, – He's been described. Apparently, he prayed for the death of Barack Obama. And I'm right. looking at at other things, travel bans, um, his personal yeah. life. Um, I know that the Secret Service actually paid him a visit after he publicly advocated for uh, the death of Barack Obama. The Secret Service came in and wanted to have a word or two with him. Yeah, I obviously think that... Uh, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. That we have to be able to say the right thing at the right time in the right way. <laughs> hey, but thank you for your call. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. Again, happy to take your call. 303 303- 873-1935-303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Kevin, welcome to the program. Gino, long time no talk. I know. It seems like a year. Yeah, it's been a long time. And but, but, you're still here. I thought you were moving to the East Coast, but I'm glad to hear your voice. No, we're still here. We were, Yeah, my grandkids and everybody are in Connecticut, and eventually I'm going to go back, but it was, just wasn't the time right now. But I, for the first time I, when I listen to you, and I'm a faithful listener, believe me, more than you'll ever know, I, um, my voice is shaking because I'm disappointed in you, and I'm really uh, disillusioned with the belief that anybody – would call uh, homosexual acts a hate crime. Um, no one. I, I actually. I, I don't. I don't think I called homosexual behavior a hate crime. I said. What, what did you say about about it? I, here's what, what what I said. I said that 30 years ago, if yeah. you would have told me, do I think that homosexual be that homosexual behavior should be criminalized? I use the term criminalized. Mm -hmm. If you would have told me 30 years ago, I said, no, of course not. Homosexual behavior should not be criminalized. But then I said, why do you think it should be now? I I don't necessarily think that it should be criminalized, but I I want to point something out to you. Okay. That the belief that it's wrong is criminalized. The belief that it's wrong is criminalized. Okay. That's what I was making the point. So, okay. so imagine if a person says, 
I have a choice of putting a homosexual in jail for homosexual behavior or putting a Christian in jail because he believes or she believes that it's wrong, that it's morally Mm -hmm. wrong. That's so let's put it in a context because the, the context was this person, this crazy person who thinks that homosexuals should receive the death penalty. And what I was saying to my producer off the air was, I wonder if this person struggles with sin and if he is going to be as harsh on himself and his family and other people who struggle with sin. So um, that's the context. Well, I couldn't say it any better because when people come out and have the audacity to say, you know, what he said, there's something wrong with that man's mind. You know, and Gino, I'm telling you, and you know it. I have no, and I'll say it on the mountaintop, I have no desire for same sex. Jesus Christ totally set me free, totally. And, um, but I do remember the days where I cried and struggled and asked God, please deliver me. I don't want to be this way. And um, that man shouldn't even, as far as I'm concerned, call himself a Christian because you win people by love. Not by right. what he's doing. Right. And so so the context was this guy named Steven Anderson, who I I I had heard of, but it wasn't coming to my mind. I, I had bits and pieces of, of, of remembering certain things about this particular person. But yeah. Um, yeah. Again, and so he was asking me, was I aware of who this person was? And, and he is you know he's advocating the death penalty for homosexuals now again what i what i'm trying to point out is that if you advocate for the death penalty for every every death penalty crime of the old testament i deserve to die i deserve Amen. i yeah. deserve to die i deserve you know the bible says you shall not suffer a witch to live. I practiced witchcraft and and was deeply involved in the occult and called on spirit beings and asked spirit beings to inhabit my body. Now, according to that, I deserve to die. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I talked to you because I feel a lot better now. (laughs) I really do. Well, uh, so imagine if everybody who deserves to die did die. Gino, none of us, nobody on the planet would even, yeah, yeah, need I say more? Nobody. That's right, because that's the truth. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Well, and so. see, and that that's, it, this brings me to, um, you know, a, a thought that I was trying to bring out, and that is the struggle with sin. Remember, we're beginning a new year, and Imagine a person, you, you just mentioned it, you know, what if a person struggles with a habitual sin? Does that mean they're not saved? And the right answer is this side of heaven, every Christian struggles with sin. Oh, amen, amen. And, and, amen. and in First John chapter 1, John writes, if we claim we have no sin, we're, we're kidding ourselves. We're fooling we ourselves. We deceive ourselves. That's and we're right. not living in the truth. Yep, yep. That's for sure. 
Yeah. So, well, listen, yeah. Gino, I have to go, but I just want to, I, when I heard, I just had to call you, and I miss you. I mean, I'm glad I hear you all the time. I love you guys, and I pray for you guys. I really do. And uh, just keep up the great work you're doing. Thank you, and thanks for giving me a chance to explain what happened. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, Gino, I got to go. All right, see ya. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. And, you know, back to that topic of the struggle with sin. And, again, the challenge, if you do not criminalize certain behavior, does that mean you run the risk of criminalizing the belief that it's wrong. Think about Lori Smith and 303 Creative and Jack Phillips at Masterpiece Bakery. They have no desire for homosexuals to be killed. They just simply said, I don't want to participate in an artistic expression of I don't want to celebrate something that the Bible calls sin. And they are persecuted. They're persecuted. Remember long ago when arguments were being made about criminalizing homosexual behavior or decriminalizing homosexual behavior, and then fast forward to homosexual marriage, which is an oxymoronic statement because there really is no such thing. Marriage, if words have meanings and marriage is a meaningful word, but if you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman for life and you don't believe it's between a man and a man or a woman and a woman or a man and his next-door neighbor's people and or one, three, polyamory, and all of that other stuff. But now we're back to this whole issue of for the Christian, of how we're going to live in a pluralistic society, how, we, how are we going to live and conduct ourselves, and how are we going to relate to one another, how are we going to be able to minister to one another, serve one another, encourage one another, and will we be able to do it in a public platform? And so back to that issue for the person who struggles with sin and Paul's, or excuse me, John's response. Hey, if we claim we have no sin, we're, we're kidding ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. And I'm thinking of first John um, chapter one, verse 10, where it says, if we say we have not sinned, we've made him a liar and his word is not in us. So apparently there is such a thing as sin and that God has spoken about certain things being sinful. So if if Christians were destined to never wrestle with sin, then Jesus wouldn't have taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The good news is we can confess our sin. We can receive forgiveness and cleansing. We can stay in fellowship with God. Aren't you glad? 303-873-1935. 
Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. By the way, I will be at Grace Bible Church, Grace Bible Church in Longmont, Colorado, Grace Bible Church at the 10 o'clock service. So if you're in the area and you want to stop by, make sure you introduce yourself. And uh, again, I'll be at Grace Bible Church in Longmont this weekend. I've been talking about um, a little bit of of people who struggle uh, with habitual sin. You know, for the person who believes, well, if I'm struggling, does that mean that I'm not saved? Well, the Bible clearly teaches that people sin. And the Bible clearly teaches that they sin even after salvation. That's probably not a wake-up call for most of you who are listening. Most of you who are Christians, shock of shock, surprise of surprise, even after you gave your life to Jesus, did you continue to sin? And, of course, John talks about it in 1 John chapter 1 when he says, if we claim that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we're not living in the truth. So clearly, Christians continue to sin. No one is perfect except for Jesus. So James writes in James chapter 3, he says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. (laughs) For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And we could also control ourselves in every other way. There's hints that are given about that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, when Paul says, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I like the way Paul puts it. He says, I'm not perfect, but guess what? I'm going forward because Jesus has made me his own. So both Paul and James remind us that we're not perfect. James says in James chapter 4, verse 7, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So even from James's standpoint, it isn't just doing what's wrong. It's knowing what's right and failing to do what's right that still remains a sin. And so the author of Hebrews describes the believer's battle with habitual sin. He talks about it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, when he says that that we need to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Or this one translation says, or the sin that so easily besets us. And in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, the Apostle Paul writes openly and honestly about his struggle with sin. He basically says, um, in Romans chapter 7, he says, the trouble is with me, for I'm all too human. I'm a slave to sin. The New Living Translation translates this, (laughs) I don't really understand myself. 
For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Does that sound familiar? So habitual sin doesn't cause us to lose our salvation. It doesn't keep us out of heaven. It doesn't hinder, but it it does hinder our fellowship with God. And so again, the challenge is we confess our sin, it says in 1 John. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John and Paul and the rest of the New Testament writers are very much aware that we struggle with sin. And that because we struggle with sin, we don't abandon the fight. The Bible talks about the flesh warring against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And um, so when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus, we become a new creation. Our old life of sin is dead and gone. A new life begins. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new. Uh, all things have become new. And so we get saved, and then we start the process of spiritual growth. And that spiritual growth is what the Bible refers to as sanctification. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And again, um, in the process of, of sanctification, the Holy Spirit is working to conform us into the image of Jesus in Romans eight twenty nine, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In First Thessalonians 4, 3, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, and that you abstain from sexual immorality. And so... We are transformed into his image. And the process isn't complete until we see Jesus face to face. That's what it says in First John chapter 3, verse 2, when it says, Beloved, we're God's children. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And guess what's really wonderful about that verse? That's when the struggle with sin comes to an abrupt halt. So there's salvation, there's sanctification, and then there's glorification. That's what happens when you draw your last breath, when you shed the shell, That's what happens when you're given a new body that's appropriate for where you will be for all eternity. So God does the work, but we have to submit to God. And so in Matthew 26, 41, 
Jesus says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So that doesn't mean that we play no role whatsoever. We have to cooperate with God and his Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And remember what covetousness is. It it means just wanting more and more of what you already have enough of. And so Paul encourages us to press toward the goal of Christian maturity. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, again, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and and straining toward forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's that's what Paul decided to do. So you should make that same decision. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back. So glad you could join me on the program. I hope you go to church this weekend. And speaking of church, I will be at Grace Bible Church in Longmont this weekend at the 10 o'clock service. So uh, if you happen to be in the area, you can go to Grace Bible Church. And, uh, you know, one of the questions, we get asked all kinds of questions, but, you know, the great question is the great commandment. Jesus was asked that question, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus was asked that question by a religious leader, a Pharisee, who was considered to be an expert in the law, according to Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered and he said, so So before his answer, you know, in other words, he's asking him the question, not because he really wants to know the answer, but he seems to be trying to get Jesus to say something that's going to get him in trouble. But Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on those two commandments in Matthew 22. So Jesus gives those two commandments as a summary of all the law and all that's commanded in the Scripture. And the Ten Commandments, of course, are found in Exodus chapter 20. And it deals with our relationship with God and then our relationship with other people. And one naturally flows out of the other. So the idea is that our relationship with the Lord continues in our relationship with each other. And that if you do not, I repeat, if you do not have a right relationship with the Lord it makes perfect sense that you're not going to have a right relationship with 
anyone else either. And so, in a way, we've come full circle in our conversation. The cause of the world's problems is that human beings need to be reconciled to God. Now pause and think about that for just a moment. Because the Bible nowhere says that God has to be reconciled to human beings. Human beings are the ones who are estranged. And it won't be possible to love our neighbor as ourself if for whatever reason you are unable to love the Lord with all your heart and your mind and your soul. And so the best efforts that we have about personal peace and personal relationships and then corporate relationships, community relationships, world relationships, you can see that peace will fail as long as men are living in rebellion against God. And so when another when asked by another Pharisee, hey, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, keep the two commandments in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Only two commandments to obey, yet how often do we say like the Pharisee to try to justify ourselves? Well, I've obeyed the commandments since I was a kid. When carefully considered, Jesus' answer is really the perfect response, not only to the religious leaders of his day, but also to modern-day Pharisees who try to measure a person's righteousness by how well they conform to an outward series of rules and regulations and commandments. But the Pharisees of Christ's day and today They create whole new systems of rules and regulations to live by. But they try and and be careful to only insist on the rules that they think that they can adequately keep. But they become guilty of breaking the most important commandments because, like Jesus said, they cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but they do nothing to remove the problem on the inside. So when you think about what Jesus said, when you think about his words and the fact that all the law and the commandment in Scripture can really be summarized by those two commandments, we understand just how impossible it is for us to keep God's commandments and how often we fail to do so And so we can't be righteous before God on our own, by our own effort. That only leaves us with one hope. And that is that somehow God will justify the ungodly. And of course, that's the story of the New Testament. That's the story of the the Bible. That's the story of the gospel. That God does justify the ungodly. In Romans chapter 4, verse 5, it says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. The Bible says that Abraham believed God, 
Actually, that's what it specifically says. And Scripture says, what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God. And, of course, Jesus, believing in Jesus is the power of God to salvation to everyone who lives uh, or everyone who believes. And remember in Romans, Paul writes, the just will live by faith. And so because Jesus answers this question and because his answer is recorded in the scripture, we don't have to search for the answer ourselves. So when you're asking the question, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus has already told us, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The real question that we have to ask and answer is, do we live according to these commandments? I think a person who's honest with himself or herself If somebody said to you, do you really love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Do you really love your neighbor as yourself? Well, we know that we don't. But the good news is that the law and the commandments were given as a tutor to bring us to Christ, not just to point us to Christ, but to bring us to Christ for what reason? So that we could be justified by faith. That's what it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, when it says, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And so when we realize our sinfulness and we realize our hopelessness, we turn to Christ alone as the only hope of salvation. So, Does that mean you give up? No. As a Christian, we go, no, I want to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I want to be transformed by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, what happens when you fail to do that? Well, it drives you back to the cross of Christ, and you trust Jesus. You know, I'm fond of saying, as crazy as this sounds, people go to heaven because they have a right relationship with the Lord. And people go to hell because they don't. And so, we trust Christ. I hope and pray that this has been time well spent for you. Make sure you go to church this weekend. This is Gino Geraci, and remember, I'll be at Grace Bible Church in Longmont this weekend. Hey, God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.